Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Scuttlebutt. I'm your host, Sean Hall, Director of Programming with the Veterans Breakfast Club. We're a nonprofit in Western PA whose mission is to create communities of listening around veterans and their stories to connect, educate, heal, and inspire. Today's guest is Peggy Simpson. She is not a veteran, and admittedly, she's not even an author, but she has authored a small book called Mental Camouflage. She worked with a veteran who goes by the name James. Uh, he's, he's decided to keep his identity a secret um, for obvious reasons. He was actually a veteran of the Ulster Defense Regiment in Northern Ireland. Um, James experienced a significant amount of trauma starting uh, as a young boy, um, all the way up through his time in the military. And, and through conversations I have had with him and the friendship that Peggy has had with him, we decided that we would have Peggy on, who authored the book about his life, um, um, to talk about uh, what he experienced and how he's even alive at this point, uh, having survived an attempt on his own life, uh, and the message that he would like to bring to other veterans and other people who've experienced trauma in their life. Uh, Peggy got to know James uh, through the church that she works at. He ended up connecting with her. Uh, they developed a friendship. Uh, there's an article that is written about James uh, that we will have here in the description. I, I recommend you uh, just clicking on that uh, reading that article, it doesn't take very long to read the article because uh, we, we will talk about the, the the experiences that James has gone through in his life uh, within uh, my conversation with Peggy. But that's what I think is interesting about this particular episode is that though the veteran that this um, book is about is is still alive, uh, he, he is uh, concerned that if he were to release his identity, uh, that his family could be in trouble. The complication, I think, is that the trauma that he experienced and what he has found as his purpose in life to be able to let people know that there is still hope. Um, he wants to get that message out. And I agree with him. Uh, I think that is it is a message that needs to be told. It's a story that, that needs to be heard. So I was interested to have Peggy come on talk about the book, how she wrote it, um, what it's about, uh, a bit about this, the traumas that James experienced, um, a bit about his life, a bit about her own life, how uh, how she got to be so compassionate uh, to, to hear and listen to people that have experienced trauma and help them. Um, so I hope that you enjoy this conversation. Please like, share, subscribe, and ring the bell on YouTube so you're the first to know whenever we release new episodes. And please connect with me at Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at veteransbreakfastclub.org. I'd love to hear your thoughts, not only on this episode, but all of our episodes. And if you have any suggestions for future programs, I'd love to hear from you. Um, thank you for supporting the podcast and enjoy the show. Peggy, uh, I, I really appreciate you spending time with us on the Scuttlebutt today. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. We have a lot to get into about uh, our mutual acquaintance, the the veteran that your book, uh, Mental Camouflage, is about. Um, but Peggy, yourself, I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Give us a, a bit of background on yourself. Okay. Um, first of all, my name is Peggy Simpson, and I am currently living in New Jersey. I grew up in the Philadelphia area and um, then moved to the Pittsburgh area my husband was transferred to New Jersey, and um, now I'm back. I'm going to be back in Pennsylvania again. And are you uh, an author? I am not an author. This is the first book I've ever authored. Okay. And um, But I was in the telecommunications industry, mm -hmm. and I was in project management, mm -hmm. and so... I guess I learned about communication. <laughs> yeah. And so so you're not a veteran. I am not a veteran. And you don't come from a, a military family? And I, well, sort of. 
my father was not in the military. He was too old for the First World War. Too, mm -hmm. No, too young for the First World War. Too old for the Second World War. Mm -hmm. And so, and plus he had his family by then. Oh, wow. Okay. They, they didn't call him into active duty. And, but my two brothers were in the military. One was in the Marines, the other was in the Air Force. Um, but they were in the military band. My one brother um, was in the President's own uh, Marine mm -hmm. band. And his son then followed suit and was as well. So it's part military, part not military, but I have a heart for the military and how they serve our country. And that, you know, we're here because of them. Right. And they, they pay a big price, whether it's obvious or not obvious. Well, and that hits the nail on the head. Um, it, you know, for our audience, if you're listening to the intro, um, definitely uh, the price that, that a veteran pays uh, you know, not only the sacrifice uh, that they make that we've talked about here on the podcast, but um, sometimes they experience some some significant trauma even outside of the military. And that's sort of what we're here to discuss today. Um, you know, in the intro, I mentioned that uh, James, who, uh, you know, you're good friends with, uh, he's a veteran of the Ulster Defense Regiment in, in Northern Ireland. Um, James and I had had a discussion. We talked about the, the the trauma that he experienced from a very young age all the way up and through the military until now. And uh and my you know he decided that he wanted to remain anonymous, uh, which is uh which is which is fine. Um so what we decided is we would have you come on and talk about uh the book that you wrote about him. Now this it, for our audience this is a, a a very short book but a very powerful book. Um, how did you get to know James? Well, he had called our, I was working on staff at my church and, uh, he had called the church for some information mm -hmm. and, um, I'm part of a healing ministry at our church. So of course, then that just started conversations. This was way before COVID. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so I understand part of his story uh, I had gone through myself. Okay. So I could make that connection and help. Mm -hmm. You get trauma, you, you are traumatized and it never leaves you. Right. So um, I don't, we just became very, very good friends. And mostly just over the phone then. Mostly. Mm -hmm. I've, I've never met him face to face because first we had COVID. Yeah. I mean, I, we had video calls once in a while, but. Uh, not person to person. Mm -hmm. And um, so our just, our friendship just grew. I would say he's one of my best friends. Oh, wow. Time. So uh, what led to the article? There was an, there's an article, we'll have the link in the description here. This was sort of James being able to tell his story. This was prior to the right. book coming out. Right, way prior. Uh, yes. So the American, I can't remember exactly how uh, the connection was made with the American Institute of Stress. And one of their um, magazines is called Combat Stress. Mm -hmm. So um, the, uh, the editor had, she and I then uh, became very friendly. 
And so, you know, he had many conversations and she said, can you write, you know, an article? And, he, you know, James, I tell him sometimes he speaks in bullet points. Mm -hmm. So, and so he doesn't feel comfortable. He would not have been able to write a book about himself. Yeah. And so I just, I said, well, I've never written anything. But anyhow, the editor of Combat, I'm sorry for going backwards. No, please, that's that's filling us in on, because on, I think, uh, you know, our audience might might see the headline of this podcast and say, well, what's this about? And I think that's part of uh, why we're having you on talk uh, about James and his life is we need to understand right. how we got to the point of having a book, but we're going to go back and talk a bit more about like what specific traumas did he experience? Like why was, why did he decide to put it in a book? And and honestly, the main question is how is he even alive at this point? Um, yes. But we'll get to that right now. Yeah, please continue. Uh, so anyhow, the editor of Combat Stress uh, said to me at one point, you know, you really should write a book about this because most of the articles you see, most of the books you see are professionals talking about, you know, what the causations. And um, so this would be unique in several ways. And not only the military, but PTSD and mental trauma. And it, it's just, it, it's beyond comprehension how it could have grown. But I think also the acceptance that you're, you're not, um, I think it's better accepted of people now than it was in the past. And people are beginning to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so, so I, so James and I started to talk and I said, what do you think about a book? And he said, you know, I, I want to help people in whatever way I can. Mm -hmm. And particularly the military, cause I was in there. But it was all the causations before that period of time that started what he calls, or what is known as a complex PTSD. Mm -hmm. And it started in early childhood for him and then continued all the way to the military until he was in the military. And it went several years when he uh, was discharged from the military, he um, became a breakfast chef. Mm -hmm. The, just the sound of the pots and pans clanging, or if there was a sudden noise, it would just throw him into such fear. Yeah. She, he couldn't deal with it. So, uh, so we started writing the book. And um, I like to think of, of it as our book or his book. Now, he is um, very concerned that people would recognize him because he's still young enough. Mm -hmm. People are still alive who were in the military at the same time in the UDR. And um, there were two attempts on his life. Mm -hmm. And just a lot of horrible things that he went through and he speaks about. That, that's what I picked up from the article, particularly. Um, you know, it's the first thing I read and... Uh, you know, my, my first thought after reading the article was no one should have to deal with this level of trauma, which I believe is what you're, you're yes. saying when it comes to complex PTSD. Is there yes. a difference between regular P I didn't even know there was a different, like there was regular PTSD and there's complex PTSD. Complex PTSD usually starts in childhood. Okay. 
and then you know, it was just one episode after another after another. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what makes it complex is early childhood PTSD. Okay. Although he didn't know that's what it was at the time. Right. And so he was very broken. He mm-hmm. is going he is still going to counseling, but I see I when I think when I first met him and now he has he has done marvelously. Still has a lot of of issues and he needs to deal through. Mm-hmm. But it's like a different person. He is a, a different person. Let's define some of that for our audience. Uh, you know, hear me say like no one should have to deal with this level of trauma. But uh, in your, you know, and and this is all in the book. This is nothing that that he is keeping secret. No. He just prefers to keep his identity a, a secret. The only, that's the only right. thing. Because he is so concerned about. He still has relatives who mm-hmm. live in Northern Ireland, and for his own safety, if people would see him and hear and or hear him talk. They might recognize and and we and that's distinctly because of the the two factions in northern ireland and that there's still a lot of vitriolic yes there is yeah uh so i'm sorry what did you say what was the question that you well the, uh, yeah no i no, no, thank you I'm, I'm sort of leading you there is uh can you give us can you give us an idea sort of uh i know you said that he talks in bullet points but can you give us maybe a couple um instances of why this trauma started so early for him and how it continued and what he experienced yes uh well the first traumatic experience was um it was trauma as a young boy and it was um from a brother of his best friend an older brother of his best friend Mm -hmm. and so, and he couldn't figure out why in the world he re- even remained friends with his best friend. So there you're talking like abuse, physical abuse, or like sexual abuse? Sexual abuse. Okay. And then from there it went, you couldn't even, he remembers times when he would be walking down the street when, with his father and you would hear the bullets coming. Mm-hmm. And... um it and was like if you were it, it it originally it's known as the troubles the troubles that's yeah that's and um originally it was those who wanted to um side with uh the uh uk as as they were part of the uk at the time and those who wanted to become part of main or the isle of Ireland. And then it became a religious war. And so it was like brother against brother. It it was horrible. And it's more than being a soldier. You see your family affected. Mm -hmm. Um, There were issues. He at one point had gotten to such a point he tried to commit suicide. And this was later in his life. This was after yeah. his time. He is, I mean, actually is a, a you know, a veteran right. uh, of that regiment. Um, and this was after that, that, that he um, uh, attempted suicide. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, and they had to, even in their houses, they had to 
worry about looking like no one was home mm-hmm. or fear of someone knocking at your door to set you off. How was his relationship with his brother, with his dad, his mom, you know? Okay. Uh, he was the only boy in the family. Yeah. So, but oh, okay. his sisters, he had a sister who was just, she was younger than he. Mm-hmm. And um, she did commit suicide. And that affected his life. Um, he went to see her. He heard from a friend of hers that, and so he went and she had already died. And um, there was times um, when just someone knowing that you were a different religion than they were, even though they were all Christians, they thought it as two different religions. Mm -hmm. And um, people could attack you. There was um, an instance where he was um, going some, I don't want to tell the whole story. So. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a bit, we, it's always difficult when we have an author on because we're always like, well, you know, without spoiling the book, and that's you know. that's what I'm trying to do. And right, and, and, and. I'm succeeding very well. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're getting a, an image now, just an image of like the, that he experienced trauma from a very young age. Yes. with his friend's brother right you know he, his family life was very difficult growing up through fractured. the troubles it was fractured yes fractured very much so you know he enlists or is he drafted no he enlists okay why did he enlist he became I mean, he was from a military family his dad was in the military he had uncles and uh even <laughs> and he even had someone this is not military related but um, I believe it was an uncle who uh, worked on the Titanic. Hmm. Wow. So, um, so they were very involved as a family, but mostly military-wise. He still has nephews who are in the military over there, mm-hmm. and um, so that's the direction one would think. Now, you know, his his parents when. At one point, uh, it was thought that maybe his parents were informants. Okay. And um, so they were tortured. And uh, James believes it ended up in an early death of his mother, the trauma that she went through. So, And it was just one thing after another. In, in the military, did you said there were two attempts on his life while he was in the military. Yes. Yeah. Um, Do you want me to go into uh, You could give us an overview, sort of, so people can read up more on in the book. Um, and there's also, it's also, I believe, mentioned in the article. So, you know. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so the first attempt was someone who, they even had sections where the Protestants lived versus where the Catholics lived. Mm-hmm. And so, but they would have like, again, sleeper cells. And um, one person lived in the Protestant section where he did and um, invited him to, I forget whether it was a party, but it was a gathering. And so he goes and he's thinking, this really seems strange. Why am I the only one here? There was one other couple there. 
and you know he he just felt uneasy mm-hmm. and he heard people coming up the stairs and he got scared and he went out you know he escaped uh, just in time and whether that was i mean unknown whether that was somebody there to threaten his life or not the paranoia i'm sure is enough to cause some level of trauma of just like i'm in a place where i don't feel safe and uh it's possible what i'm hearing is somebody coming to take my life so there's got to be you know he heard later that that in fact was the case oh boy and the second time was um he was driving home from work Mm -hmm. uh, at at the uh, you know he was still in the military at the time. He was driving home, and um, there was this car speeding up behind him, mm-hmm. and then pulled beside him, and sh- uh, shot. Uh, well, they didn't shoot him, but they they were shooting, and um, he turned. I guess he had at that point in time he had. Um, a gun under his front seat just mm-hmm. because no one was safe. No one. And you couldn't tell by how the, uh, somebody looked or how they talked. Mm-hmm. They were... So he turned, and as a result, um, he lost control of the car. The vehicle overturned, and he and um, he ended up in the hospital with for, I don't remember how long two weeks or something like that and um you know that's that was the other attempt on his life police were called there was someone there who was very kind to him he felt that she was probably an irish a catholic irish catholic um lady it was an older lady and And he's protestant and he's protestant Mm -hmm. yes and he, he said it felt just like an angel had come. Mm-hmm. And um, so they did find at least one bullet in the bumper of the, his car. Mm-hmm. So um, so those events, I mean, they just pile on and pile on and pile on. Definitely. So, How did it come to uh, him attempting to take his own life? And what happened there? And, you know, like, again, we get back to the main question. Well, how is he still alive? And and then the bigger question beyond that, yeah. yeah, and the bigger question I think then beyond that is why why write about it? What did it lead to in his life that he felt like he needed to do something? Right. So, yeah. Well, with his sister commuting, committing suicide, the, the thought that his mother died early, like within mm-hmm. a year she had died. And... Um, his attempt that just the gun misfired. It just didn't go off when he attempted suicide because he thought there was just, they were, I, I believe his, his wife at the time, I know this, I don't know why I say I believe, <laughs> um, was Catholic. Mm-hmm. And he's Protestant. And so they just weren't so sure about him either. And he figured, um, it just become became untenable. Yeah. And so that's that's why he tried to take his own life. 
his wife happened to come down the stairs as this was going on. Um, and um, so she saw it. And he said it just, life was not the same after that. Right. And so it just, he, he then, after the military went to England, he had relatives in England. And that's where he lives now. Yeah. Uh, and the second part of the question was, um, uh, oh, okay. I how did this change his life? How did this give him new purpose? Yes. At first it didn't. He just was for so many years, 50 years before he got a diagnosis that he had um, PTSD, that complex PTSD. Um, but with the treatments he was receiving, once it was identified that this was the case that he did have PTSD. Then he was able to get some help. Mm -hmm. All those years, he was anxiety and depression and PTSD. He just, life was just getting worse. He felt that life was just getting worse by the day and there was no end in sight. Right. So once he started with counseling and they started teaching him ways to deal with it, He'll never be healed completely, but he learned how to deal with it. Right. And um, so counseling helped, talking about it. He would get, talk about it at breakfast clubs. And um, that helped. And just writing the book helped because. Um, telling his story. Yeah, telling his story. And not parts of it, but most of his story. Mm -hmm. is in the book and um that's when i could even see healing being at a deeper level yeah and um so he as a result he really he feels deeply that he needed he needs to tell his story because there is help and there is hope so part of writing the book is not only self-healing, but he wants to impart that that knowledge of I, I've I've been at the lowest you can be. Yes. And you there's still a way out. Yes. Yes. And that's what he wants to to tell people. Because mm -hmm. so many people and he feels his life was spared to tell the story. Well, certainly, it, I mean, the lady that helped him after the, the, the car accident, you know, the gun not going off, um, you know, I mean, yeah, there, there, if you think of, if you, if you believe in there, everything happens for a reason, hopefully he's taking that reason to say, you know. And he, that's what he believes. Mm -hmm. He was saved for a reason over and over again. Mm -hmm. And, um, so his story needs to be told. He feels fervently about that. Mm -hmm. Even though, you know, when he was going through all this, that certainly was not on his radar screen. Right. Um, so since then, there have been other articles that have been written about him. But, you know, that's pretty much the same. Yeah. And um, so his, his goal is to just be able to to talk to people who are going through this and giving them the hope that they need. Yeah. And um, 
that life can be good. It can be good. And I know probably as early as five years ago, that's not how I felt. So what did writing the book do for you? You know, in, in hearing his story and trying to condense it all into this this story that you've written and re and released and published, mm -hmm. what did you go through to be able to, to bring that out? Well, it was so weird, except for the one connection. And I'm in a healing, you know, I'm a leader in a healing ministry of our church. Mm -hmm. So, so much of it spoke to me. But um, it, it, it never frightened me that mm. I was, you know, befriending a person who, you know, had a lot of trauma in his life. But um, it almost gave me a goal in life. Mm. And I was surprised how easily the words flowed. I would have never, like I said, I never thought of myself as an author. Yeah, I don't even like to write. So it's really weird, <laughs> but there is a bigger purpose. There is yeah. a bigger purpose than I would have ever imagined. And you know, maybe that's helped heal him some. Just knowing there's someone who's not going to ignore you because you frightened mm -hmm. me because you have a trauma. You've had a traumatic life, and as a result, have PTSD. Right. Because people, and lots of times people hide it until it gets to the point where they can no longer hide it. And I, he just, he feels so strongly. Every time we're talking, he mentions, I just want to help somebody else. And people can read books by doctors and, and everything. And that's a different story mm -hmm. that people will hear. And from someone who's been through it. Right. And he said, if one life can be saved. How did you decide on the title Mental Camouflage? He did. Hmm. And, you know, it's a weird picture. Yeah, I was going to bring it up and ask, like, how was that decided on? That's, I mean. He said his counsel. For those, well, well let, let me interrupt real quick. For those of you listening, if you've downloaded the podcast, the cover of the book is a brain. I'm, it seems a yeah. brain. And in the center of it is sort of camouflage. They've sort of cracked open the brain and there's sort of a camouflage there. And out of the camouflage is, uh, I believe, a, a gorilla yes. that's like screaming. Yeah. So that's just the head of the gorilla is sticking out of the top of the camouflage out of the brain. Right. And it and says... And uh, the hands are trying, you know, you can sort of see it. Yeah. And the hands are trying to, to rip out... Right. Yes. Yeah, pull the brain apart. And the, the the subtitle is My Mind Gone AWOL. Yes. Yes. That's a very yeah, very striking image. Um, and how did was that decided on? Well, he just his counselor would often say he had like monkeys in the brain or a monkey in the brain. Yeah. And so, you know, he's beyond that now. I mean, mm -hmm. he, he realized and in fact he has often commented, maybe I shouldn't have wanted that image 
at the front of the book. Maybe it just frightens people away. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I I only disagree personally. I used to work at a bookstore um, here in in Pittsburgh, and one of the things that would always pull me to a, a book because I would shelve books. You know, like one of my first jobs. And one of the first things that would pull me into a book is the cover. And if I saw an interesting cover, I'd be like, oh, what's that? And I would think that this cover, if I saw it sitting on a bookshelf, I'd be like, wow, that's interesting. And I think right. that if anything, it just pulls you into, and then you, and then as you do, you flip to the back to say, what, what is this about? Because you just see a cover that sort of is striking to you. And then you want to read about what's it, what it's about. Now, like I said, this is a very fast read. You can finish it um, in, in the course of an hour and evening. Um, it's about 40 pages. Um, but that's not to take away from the, uh, the level of love that you have put into the book. Um, because I would rather read high quality material for 40 pages than fluff for 700. Yes. Um, so how did you it's decide very to, dense. yeah, very dense. yeah. How did you decide to condense everything, all, all of everything he experienced down into 40 pages? How, how difficult was that? It wasn't difficult at all. Yeah. I, like I said, the words flowed, and this was it. I thought I cannot write another word. Mm -hmm. This is this is it. And then just you know, at the very end, uh, sort of a repast of how the whole thing started and all the things that are going on in the suicide rate, mm -hmm. which is higher than you know other places in the UK. Yeah, England itself, the percentage of people who have taken their own life. And um, a life lost and a complete regained. And um, I think that became very clear to him. And he has, he feels he has a purpose in life. Mm -hmm. And that is to walk alongside other people okay. who are dealing through similar issues, mm -hmm. maybe the same issues, some of the same issues, and um, let them know that I've been there, done that, there is help. There is healing. Right. You can uh, they you can be taught what to do to alleviate the horrible anxiety you go through. Mm -hmm. So and you know this is firsthand experience. It's not someone saying, "Well, in the book it says." Right. Blah, blah, blah. And and his uh, his way of dealing with trauma is not only telling his story but through therapy as well. Yes. Um, yes. You know we can say like, "Yeah, there's Started still hope." But therapy, telling your story, uh, getting it out, talking with other people, that's sort of his way of dealing with trauma. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes. And it appears to have been very effective. We see that with the Veterans Breakfast Club. Uh -huh. We see it all the time um, that, that veterans who've never spoken about their, their experiences um, in the military, their life. Uh, will come and sit at a breakfast and hear another veteran talk and it inspires them to, to stand up and tell their story whatever part of that story they want to tell mm -hmm. um but it's certainly as we say here stories unite us you know we want those stories to be out there we want them to be able to come into a community and feel safe and be able to to have a platform to to tell what what they've gone through trauma or otherwise it could be you know that they had a a good time and basic. And part of that is saying, yeah, what we did in this was fun. And, you know, um, but certainly it, it helps to heal trauma. Now, uh, how has been the reception of the book? Surprisingly enough, it, well, I don't think people can buy it from the bookshelves. Okay. Like in a Barnes and Noble. They'll order right. it for you. You'll receive it at home. 
mm-hmm. in like four or five days. But I think the fact that it's not on the shelves has limited, you know, distribution. Right. And um, so I haven't made a penny on it, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, the yeah, you don't become an author to become rich. That's never. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, and it's not about me. It's not about the fact that I wrote a book. Mm-hmm. It's about this person who has gone through so many traumas in his life and but the, can still see light at the end of the tunnel. How did his story help to give you clarity in your own life? Well, I'll tell you, it, it helped me in um, being a leader in this um well, it, it's uh, it's like a step program, mm-hmm. but it's uh, it's not for like alcohol or drug abuse. It's but it's all women or all men, and it gave me clarity and understanding and compassion for the women I deal with. Yeah, and they have many different traumas, and um, it, it helped me to even be more compassionate. Within. It's interesting that you say more compassionate because I'm uh, compassionate to begin with. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you have to be in you in what in the work that you are doing. You have to be able to listen, be empathetic, be compassionate, yes. and you have to have a high level of that. No, not many people can sit and listen to trauma no, it for hours at a time and come out the other side and be like, "Okay, I'm gonna go have dinner," <laughs> and not feel sad and depressed and let all of that in. You know, you have right. to have a good wall. You have to be very confident. I think, right. um, yeah. So, I mean, for this book and his story to give you more compassion, um, that says a lot. Mm. And I don't, you know, that's not why I even got into it. You know, at first, mm-hmm. well, your story is interesting, and I remember in the very beginning. I had childhood trauma as well. Mm-hmm. And so, and but I have found, uh, it took me a long time to ever admit it. Never told my kids until just recently. Yeah. yeah I mean, it was their uncle who was, you know, my brother, it, it was in my case. And, um, and my brother has since died. So maybe I felt more confident talking about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to talk about anything now. Yeah. And just um, and to let you know we're all broken. I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. No one escapes that. Right. And so I think people need to be aware of that. And I am. And I know at the end of every session, I always tell it. Well, it's, you know, many on one. It's, it's a small group experience. Yeah. And um, I always tell them I love them. And they mm-hmm. know that there is no judgment. We're not called to judge. Right. We're called to love. Well, I can think of no better message to to end on, Peggy. Um, you know, we're going to have the link to the article here. We're going to have a link to where you can get uh, mental camouflage um, so that people can look this up. I, I hope that they do. I hope that they read about James, read his story, let that ruminate and they can reflect a bit and, and you know, um, ha- let his story sort of help change their life as well if, if need right. be um i certainly gained some clarity after reading his story and it makes me appreciate things a lot more because you, you don't realize how not to sweat the small things to use the term until well, you think, hear yeah that's one way it has helped me yeah sweat the small stuff and most of it is that's exactly 
Um, to our audience, I, I, I hope that you like, share, subscribe, ring the bell on YouTube so you're the first to know whenever we release new episodes. If you are interested in hearing more uh, about Piggy and mental camouflage, uh, please connect with me, Sean, S-H-A-U-N at veteransbreakfastclub.org. Um, Peggy, I, I want to uh, leave you with the, with the final words here. Um, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for watching this episode of The Scuttlebutt. I'd like to take a moment to thank both of our sponsors, the first being DND Metal Recycling and Auto Salvage. They began as a small hauling and used auto parts operation in the Pittsburgh area in the late 1970s, but they've grown into a full-service metal recycling company with two locations, Lawrenceville and Tarentum. DND accepts all types of metal, both ferrous and non-ferrous, that may be generated by industrial manufacturing, construction and demolition, small commercial entities, as well as individual customers. They have a wide variety of material handling equipment and are capable of managing any type of job in a timely and efficient manner. You can contact them for quotes and availability at D&D. &D. That's D&D &D Auto Salvage. Dot com. Uh, thank you so much to DND. Uh, they've been a sponsor for quite some time, and we really appreciate their support. Uh, the second being Tobacco Free Adagio Health. They are dedicated to reducing and preventing tobacco use and to getting the word out about the hazards of smoking and secondhand smoke. They're all about health. So they want people to quit, and they have classes and nicotine replacement therapy and a popular quit line, which is the easiest number to remember ever 1 800 quit now. They also educate people, children especially, about tobacco use from cigarettes, cigars, pipes, chew, snuff, and other nicotine products like vaping. Finally, Tobacco-Free Adagio Health advocates for public and private policies that ensure healthy places to live, work, and play. You can learn all of what Tobacco-Free Adagio Health offers at tobaccofree.adagiohealth.org, or you can watch our recent episode with Tobacco-Free Adagio Health on the Scuttlebutt, uh, where they talk about a lot of the programs that they offer for those who are looking to quit. Thank you to both of our sponsors for their continued support of the Scuttlebutt podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks.